space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim. With me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And joining us this week is Dr. Squee. Hello. And you are fresh from an absolutely spectacular blockbusting Squee Fest 3. Uh, Squee Fest the third was awesome, and uh, mainly thanks to good fellas like yourself. We raised £600 for teen- Phoenix Dogs Rehoming. We think it's a little bit more, but some people directly donated and we didn't have a way of tracking that in the end. So, but it doesn't matter. Like the more money that goes to the dogs, I don't give a shit about. Absolutely. And guys, just, just thank you so much. I have actually been spending the last two days because pretty much um, after Screen Fest, I had a week off or a week and a half. And uh, so that involved like traveling to Wales and doing other bits and pieces. So I'm now just chopping up the, uh, the event into different hour sections. So I will be sending cross retracks so you can put it on the stream uh, when you get a gap between all this wonderful new Star Trek we're getting. I don't think we have gaps. No, that's it. We're, <laughs> we're done. Be a week in September 2026. I think there's yeah. the next uh, I think I worked, did I work it out at June? Well, no, I, I, it might be sooner than you think because um, I went on YouTube and according to some of the videos on there, Alex Kurtzman's been fired and all the shows have been cancelled. So... You know, we we might have a, well, a bit of a well, break. Well, we've been saying up. that for the last four years. So. Oh, have they? I didn't know. Um, what could affect things, actually? Um, it won't affect what we've got ready to come out. But uh, the uh, looking at big strike action in Hollywood. Yes. All your, all your um, guys behind the scenes who do makeup and sets and <coughs> all that sort of thing. Uh, like to say these are on like multi-million dollar episodes now. These guys are still on below living wage in America. Yeah. So they're that's... looking at going on strike, which is gonna affect anything live action. There's that and there's also there's a mooted um actors strike because there's I don't understand all the ins and outs of it, but the, the, the studios basically are trying to say at the moment that streaming shows don't actually make any money, so they don't have to pay the actors as much as they would on a regular show. Um, and several of the Star Trek actors have already spoken out and said, yeah, we're, we're not having this, don't tell me that streaming shows don't make any money. Um, uh, if to... streaming shows didn't make any money, why would the studios spend so much money making them? Well, yes, it's, and it's what... like good luck attracting the actors that they've been getting through the caliber if they want to cut their wages. They're yeah. just, they're yeah. just walk. well, that's why everybody's saying. And also, yeah, if streaming shows didn't make any money, the studios would still be trying to sell us DVDs instead of trying to get us to subscribe to streaming services. So yeah. And, you know, I Retrek stands with the Star Trek actors and indeed any other actors who think they should be yeah. fairly paid because... And we also stand with all the behind-the-scenes guys Absolutely. who are on, on so, a living wage. As, as, as wonderful as our conversations were on Squeefest about uh, Star Trek Voyager Endgame and uh, the Star Trek Talktrons, which was awesome, as amazing as they were, guys, it's a bit extreme to go on strike just so we've got a gap to put that out. Look... I want to get them up there, but like, yeah, yeah they should we, be heard. We would rather have new episodes of Star Trek with actors, behind the scenes people who are fairly remunerated so that we're getting yeah. the, the best yeah. work out of them. Anyway, we will assume that everybody involved with Lower Decks was paid fairly for the work on this latest episode. And I excretus, it's called. And yeah, this is a. I, I enjoyed this one. I feel like possibly the best episode this season. And what you said last week, Elliot, actually, you said to me, I think the reason people maybe weren't so hot on the last episode is because it's not got all the Easter eggs and things yeah. like that. And then they've, they've not only answered that, but <laughs> blown it out of the water in this one. Yeah. And yeah. 
I, I think it's that. I think lower decks has become that format where, as much as we enjoy the show, we also enjoy the Easter eggs that they're putting in it all the time. Yeah, and it's become a core part of what yeah. the show's about. I, I mean, I do I want to just briefly present the counterpoint to that. Our friends over on the Star Trek Wars podcast, um, it was actually their highest rated episode of the season and the second highest rated episode of Lower Decks ever was last week. So, um, you that, know... Um, I think I think we can look at... Uh, Jeffrey Coombs had a lot to do with yeah, that. Yeah, perhaps, yeah. All I'm saying is there's a lovely difference of opinion, which is great, but this one well, for me ticked Well, I really enjoyed last week's boxes. episode, but I could see why people were saying that they didn't yeah. enjoy it as much. I, I enjoyed it, but I think you're right, Elliot. I think that it... They, they've made a rod for their own back. If you're going to have in 90% of the shows loads of callbacks to previous episodes and previous Star Trek, again, they've done it always so skillfully that if you haven't seen a reference, it's fine. Mm-hmm. The episode still makes sense. Yeah. But if you're going to then make, make it part of it, if you then have a week which doesn't have that and it really noticeably has none, practically no callback, <coughs> you're breaking your own format that you've made. It just yeah. doesn't, for me, work. It's like I've said with the, um, and I'll get into it with today's episode, but... The bits I still haven't enjoyed this series, and there was a few in the last episode as there are in this episode, are the bits which just don't feel Star Trek, and they're the bits where it kind of does... Like, I'm fine with it being adult, but I think it needs to feel, still feel like Star Trek, and I think it had a few episode moments in that episode as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they've, they've been quite risky, haven't they, this season? Yeah. With that, with the adult, going a bit more adult with it. But I, I think... I, I wonder if it's sort of trying to separate itself from Prodigy in advance because we know Prodigy is aimed at younger audience. Yeah, and I wonder if, this, if they are setting the stall out. Yeah, Prodigy is animated as well, but these are two very, diff- two very different audiences. Maybe every, so. Every, every Star Trek fan is going to be able to enjoy Prodigy, I'm quite sure. But, the same, but they are setting the stall out that Lower Decks is more adult. It's adult humour and it will get a bit riskier. I'm fine with being risky, but for me, and, and I feel like there's been enough comments. I'm never one of these people who said, oh, I've read some other people saying this, so everyone agrees with me. I know that's not true. Some people are probably loving the adult humour and the kind of bits which are a bit more risky and a bit more, like, I, I, I'm sorry to make a lazy comparison, but the bits which are a bit more Rick and Morty. However, I feel like when you go into those, for me, it just doesn't feel like, like Star Trek is unique. There's something unique about Star Trek. Even if you put it through an adult prism, it's still Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And I think the show can do adult themes and uh, blue jokes, but it's like when they, like the moment in this week's episode, where they can point his legs around his ears and you've got, <laughs> I go, I don't know where I end and you begin. It's funny, but it doesn't feel like Star Trek. I just don't, mm, it just goes that little bit far for me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the Boimler bit I, I thought was quite funny. Um, the I don't know where I end you begin I thought yeah just a little too much on the side of smut that you know we, we'd got the dirty laugh already in that scene I don't think we needed yeah. to double down maybe, on it yeah. maybe it was the two back to back maybe so um, but yeah I don't know it's he's it walking a fine line and I can I can totally see it um, well, to be fair I think from like what we had in the naked time and the naked now, this was actually showing what was suggested. Yes, this, yeah. this is this yeah. is actually showing. This is what, what would happened. really be going on if that yeah, if this that is showing, thing happened. Like, this sort of stuff was all suggested. Like we know what happened between Yar and Data, but it cut off, didn't it? Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I agree with what you said, James, actually. Probably if they... I, the James edit, like where you got the first joke but not the second one, probably I would have been, ah, no, you see, that's pushing it without going too far. I think you're right. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I can definitely see how it will alienate some people. Um, but, yeah, there's a load of good stuff in this episode. Um, first of all, we start off with Elliot. You pointed this out when we watched the trailers. This is the satellite from the neutral zone, one of the cryo-sleeper satellites. Yeah. We don't do anything with that whatsoever. It's, ju- it's just there. It's an Easter well, egg. It's a- fine. There's actually a load of stuff <coughs> in this episode 
that we just see little clips and yeah. the little clips that were in the trailers. Mm-hmm. So the trailers really haven't ruined any stories. No, and the trailers almost, and it wouldn't surprise me if they were doing this, is were they deliberately trolling us by... We'll, oh, we'll show you a tra- we'll show you a trailer with the bog in it. Let's get people speculating. We'll show you a trailer with the mirror universe. Are we getting a mirror universe episode? Yeah. And the answer's no. We're just doing simulations. That's got all these things. They do really successfully. They do like they they tease you with something you're not going to see, but it never feels insulting. There's other shows where you get that and you go, oh, yeah, but that's not what the show's about. But in this show, because they do have so many cutaways, it is kind of what the show's about yeah. in a way. Yeah, exactly. It's just not the main plot. That's fine. That's kind of like, feels like they tease you without being mean about oh, it. Oh, like, yeah, really that's it. And I think part of that is because this is a comedy, essentially, you can do that within that genre and not feel ripped off. Whereas, I don't know, let's say if, they advertised the final Twilight film and showed clips of a huge battle and then it turned out all to be in somebody's imagination and doesn't happen, people might be annoyed. I mean, obviously, to be annoyed at that, you would have to have some investment in the Twilight saga, which I absolutely (laughs) did not, so didn't bother me, but... Although, whichever one want to be more worked on, we're a big fan of because I interviewed him and he was lovely. Oh, the effects were fine. Yeah, the effects were great. I'm assuming he didn't have anything to do with the werewolves because they were not great. But you know what? Yeah. We'll, we'll say that he worked on Eclipse, the third one, which is the one that most closely approaches being entertaining. So <laughs> <coughs> we'll, give him, we'll give him that one. Um, so yeah, well, here's, the, here's the beauty of it, though, for all the guys who got dragged by the girlfriends to watch uh, all the the full Eclipse saga. Yeah, they can now take them all to see the new Batman to see Patterson again, can't they? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> to get the own back. I, yeah, I want to give Robert Patterson his due. It it takes a lot to get out of the shadow of doing five of these wishy-washy, horrible rom-com vampire drama. And the fact that he's managed to use that as a springboard to have a really interesting, diverse career and show himself to be a really good actor and to get to the stage where he can be cast as Batman and people are not going, oh, the bloke of Twilight. So, you know, well well done, Pattinson. Johnny Depp was told he basically was said it was told he could have a career like Tom Cruise. You, you're lined up to be the next Tom Cruise, and he went, "Now nah, I've got to do interesting films. Like I'll do a few Hollywood ones to get the money, mm. and then I'll do some really batshit crazy stuff. Batshit, not a direct reference to Batman, by the way. I'm not being that clever about it, but um, but like Patson, I think has been that foresighted. It's like, yeah, I can do some big Hollywood films, do some interesting stuff along the sides, and you know, yeah, make a wonderful career out of it, make loads of money as well." Yeah, he's done it, and good for him. So, um, going back to this uh, satellite from the neutral zone then. So, even though we don't get, it doesn't turn out we've got cryo, sleepy people or whatever. It's a good opening gag that they forget about them and have to go back (laughs) and they're all there freezing and everything. (laughs) I think that's a really good opening. Um, Obviously, we get the drill instructor then, and this is, I forget the name of the species, but it's... Uh, a. Pandori- Pandorians. Pandorians. So it's one of our BEM people, which is going to lead to our second episode. Yeah. Where we're going to talk about BEM. Well, like, when we looked at it, like, this episode, you could have gone <coughs> to so many episodes. But I think the underlying one is the character of BEM, of the species. Yeah. yeah, when you watch the animated series episode... Um, it is really wonderful how all the seeds are there to make it what they did in this episode. So yeah. making them a drill instructor, which puts them through all these kind of like uh, fake scenarios, which Ben did in the original episode. It's just not kind of, they didn't hang a lantern in that original episode. That yeah. He's doing that. <laughs> Whereas here, perfect career for them. Yeah, it does. It, it They've not just, it's not just like they did with the um, the cat person from the slaver weapon, where it's just, we'll take one of their species, we'll put it in for laugh. They've actually thought about it and done it in a way that... Yeah, the, they've used the species 
that makes sense to what we've yeah. seen previously. Really clever. I mean, you could actually um, like uh, headcanon it or back reference it to say Ben was actually on a mission from Starfleet to test them. Like that was his. He never really well, said it, but like you know, it, he then well, reported to Starfleet. I I think this actually makes sense when you look at Ben and you look mm. at this episode. Yeah. I think like Starfleet training have seen how the this species acts and have realised. Hang about, these guys throw curveballs into the training. They do what you don't expect them to do. So I'm even going to go one further. I think it was Section 31 put Ben and Ben <laughs> to, to like, uh, yeah, just to test, uh, to check that um, they doing the job they want them to. Yeah, it could well be. That that could be. Let's In fact, let's start the petition now that when Michelle Yeoh finally gets her series, we want a live-action Ben to be one of the Section 31 crew. Like, she she ends up in the time of Kirk and sends Ben on his mission. Do it, do it. Yeah, like, let's he, have he's it. One of those, he's one of those species, though, that if they do it live action, it could look really, really rubbish. Oh, yeah, it could that, do, but... It, it's, one of the, it's one of those species that works brilliantly in animation. Yeah, but I'm just thinking, let's have one of these guys and Michelle Yeoh trading barbs with them. I imagine that Giorgio wouldn't have a lot of time for one of these, and I think that could be <laughs> that could make for some good fun. Um, Giorgio so, would do the legs out while it's separating. Yes. Like, right, does the hidden body want to deal with me now? Do you want to get serious about yeah, this? Yeah, <laughs> let's just lock the legs up somewhere in the car. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so the setup is pretty good. Like, we're going to switch it. We're going to have the, the bridge crew being the lower decks and the lower decks being the bridge crew. And you get this great thing where Shax is all up for it. He's like, oh, you know, it's the, there's nothing wrong. That's going to be great. Like, you do know they sleep in a corridor. And Shax apparently... <laughs> maybe Shax came in at a, a higher level. Maybe it was Bajoran militia and he... Well, he immediately got commissioned to lieutenant. He's well, never had to sleep he's, uh, in the corridors. On bigger ships than <coughs> yeah. the Cerritos. In fact, the Cerritos looks like quite a large ship. Yeah, I'm quite sure that having seen like schematics of the day and stuff, and just how little space that you'd need for the crew, mm -hmm. that there's probably no reason why they all couldn't have their own quarters. Yeah. Ah, I, I unless there's think... huge amounts of space are given over to cargo bays and. Science slabs and all that. What we've established is the Cerritos get sent on a donkey mission, so I reckon they just pack them in like they're sardines. Like they're just they're just cattle on the ship. Yeah. Oh, we'll just put put one person per floor. Oh, lovely, we'll have kids. In <laughs> I mean, even this is the Cerritos. We'll just chuck them in. Even the Defiant had rooms. I mean, they, they had two bunks in there, but they had their own yeah. door at least. You know, they weren't quite in the <laughs> corridor, but. Cerritos, they're like the lower decks are like the cattle on the um they're like um the uh, Titanic where they've got yeah. steerage. <laughs> yeah. The 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 scenarios they have are great and you get the big board and most of it's episode titles, which is this goes back to I think last time you were on Doctor Squee, we had um we talked about how uh Mariner said to the Ferengi, Oh, I don't want these last outposts thing, and we said, Well that that's a little bit weird because why would she use the episode title? But here yeah. we're doing a very similar gag, but it does make sense because we're going to name these scenarios so you, you can fit the joke within the reality yeah, of the situation. The and they're usually pretty good on this show. I think you're right. It's just they just needed to frame it slightly differently to get away with that line, but yeah. there's no way that line works other than a back reference for yeah. Star Trek. Whereas here, yep. Put them all up as different scenario names. Brilliant. And some of the scenarios are great. Like we've got Mariner in the mirror universe, and she's just like, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go be evil. And you've got evil Boimler with his goatee and everything. And it's the classic she uses the wrong hand, so she gets a gesture slightly wrong, yeah. which is that's that's okay. a classic trope, really, for my favourite bit is like uh, it's like uh, oh great this patient's going to live now <laughs> with the oh with the Klingon oh. yeah that's brilliant call it yeah. <laughs> it's the time of life and yeah it's like I've, we've dodged a bullet not looking at that episode as our second episode that's true we yeah. will have to at some point 
<laughs> oh yeah, we'll get there eventually. Maybe we'll do a, a Wharf and Troy romance sub season. <laughs> see if we can really lose some listeners. Um, I, really love, I, I like the idea. This is this is kind of for me where Lower Decks lives. It can make those jokes. Like yeah, you wouldn't make a joke about a Klingon surviving being killed in this way in usual Star Trek, shall we say? Whereas that fits perfectly here. I think yeah. that's where this does perfectly. Yeah. It, there is something adult about joke of like, oh no, this guy lived. That's quite dark if you can. Yeah, it, it really is. <laughs> and yeah, it's especially it adds to it when you know where this is from. Like when you get yeah. the reference to ethics, and it does. It, it, it's like you said earlier on. You don't need to have seen that to get this gag, but it enriches it if you have done, which is. Which is a real strength to the writing that they're managing to balance that. And <clears throat> similarly, like Mariner in the Old West, which obviously we've had a few um, Wild West episodes over it, the uh, years. Spectre of the Gun. Spectre of I the Gun that... and Elementary Deer Data and stuff. But um, I like that it turns out that that wasn't rigged against her and it's just that the horse <laughs> didn't like her. <laughs> but she's adamant um, that she's brilliant with horses. Then we have Riverfront in the Wharf of Khan. Yes, and yeah, he can't. He, he uses his boots to try and open the door. Yeah, and I started thinking about that, and I remembered the scene from the Wrath of Khan, and Spock takes the gloves off of a crew member. Yeah. So I wonder if Rutherford take, is playing it takes that. Him off Scotty. It takes him off Scotty after he. Uh, yeah. Don't he? Off, off Scotty, Scotty yeah. So is Rutherford in this simulation effectively playing the part of Scotty and that's why he hasn't got gloves? Because Maybe. Spock already nicked them? has already nicked them, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Genius. maybe, I maybe not. That. I, I never that. put that together. I, I, I'm not but sure is that it, is the case. He's in the engineering costume, isn't he? But yeah, it did just occur to me. I'm like, why wouldn't he have gloves? And then, yeah, it could be because Spock's got them. Um... But yeah, that's that's a good one, and obviously one of the most famous Star Trek scenes. Well, me just to get Rutherford in the Scotty outfit was just delicious yes. for me. And I'm a huge Scotty fan. Yeah, Scotty's awesome. Yeah. And meanwhile, you've got Boimler, and this runs throughout the whole episode. It's his Borg scenario that he replays oh. and replays. And we get a return of the Borg babies, which we haven't seen since Q Who. And it's perfect where you've got all these other characters who like win or lose. Ah, that's just what I got. Like, and you know they would go through those scenarios as quickly as they did. You know, we could get. Um, yeah. Oh, that's not good enough. He's so neurotic. He's got to get it perfectly. It's just like I don't know if you noticed in this that um, it's actually Alice Creek who's come back to play the ball. Oh, is it? Yeah, they got a back for it. I wondered about that. I wondered if it was going to be her or maybe yeah, it was going to be. She's down on the special guest stars. Right, yeah. I, I wondered if maybe it was going to be, um, I forget the actress name. Suzanne Thompson. No, I'm thinking of the new one out of Picard. Oh, Annie, Annie oh, Wershring or something. Um, I wondered if maybe they'd done that, but no, that's brilliant that they got her to... And again, it, it's great fan service to like, uh, right, we're not only going to get the Borg Queen, but we're going to get the Borg Queen correct to this era. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's fun all the it makes you wonder how elaborate these scenarios are though that for him to try and get this hundred percent you've got to beat the bog queen at chess and you've got to teach her <laughs> ethics and well 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 we've established haven't we already that that the tests have been rigged against you yeah <laughs> but like like in the in the uh, Calvin timeline we find out that that Spock designs the Kobayashi Maru. I like the idea that it's like, yeah, it's always some pedantic, like, Vulcan or some really pedantic who designs the thing. Like, it's like, everyone gets, like, uh, 95% at best. So, like, you know, to get 100%, you have to beat the ball queen at chess. That's perfect. Yeah. So what someone would come up with. It's yeah. kind of like... I taught, I taught them empathy. It's kind, <laughs> it's kind of like, I remember there was um, a wrestling computer game and... If you played like the the story mode, it was like you've got to win this wrestling match, so you'd win it. But then it'd bring up this pop up box in the corner, and it'd say for extra points you've got to do a clothesline over the top rope. Then you've got to put them in a submission hold in the outside, and 
you'd end up playing this one match for like an hour because you've got to do six different combinations of moves and you've got to let your stamina bar build back up before it'll let you do another one. And you've got to make sure they don't beat you. And it'd be things like win the match by a knockout. So you'd have to stop yourself from making you pin your opponent because you need that wouldn't get you all the points. And so Boimler's kind of doing that. But... And again, it's perfect lower decks to have him then having to, uh, like, you know, just when he's got 100%, they screw him over. Like, he is that buddy down the pub. We've all got this mate who, who you genuinely love, genuinely is a great mate. But you can't help but take the piss out. Boiler, I think, is a bit of that. Like, yeah. Just, it's like, as soon as he finally gets something, they then kind of look screw up going, yeah, you've got to keep that program going for hours. Like, yeah, no, you, can't, like, you can't finish. <laughs> yeah. And I like that final shot of him where he's got all the bog babies. He's got about 20 bog that he's presumably <laughs> rescuing and he's all ready to go. And then it's, yeah, you've got to do it again. Um, Meanwhile, the, the main crew failed to do search for Spock, so they don't manage to get the ship out of dry dock because <laughs> they end up having a row. <laughs> and there's a lovely sort of subversion of your usual Star Trek tropes where um, Mariner and her mum go, oh, right, we've worked it out. It, the whole thing is to make us bond. It's not to do with how we do on the tests. And... In 99% of Star Trek episodes, that would be it. They would go back to the trainer and they'd go, well done, you've worked it out. But no, that's no. not it at all. No, you meant to fail because you I You meant need... to fail. I think it's so you fail, so I keep my job. Yeah. Also, you've got the lovely thing of the um, the bridge crew who are like uh, celebrating. It's like, wow, I never slept better. This is great. And then they just... They slowly realise that being lower decks isn't so much fun as they thought. Yeah, perfect, you right? get all these. I know, I'm a team leader. I know if I had a day working on the phones, uh, calling people to the NHS, I'd enjoy it for a day. It's day two, I would be pulling my hair out, and this is exactly what they show. Anyone can enjoy doing a um, lower level job to what you do for a short period of time. Yeah. Would you want to do it every day though? No, like when I was a teacher, um, occasionally we'd have to sort of go into other teachers' lessons and be a teaching assistant. And it was so much fun now and again because it was great. I got to go and watch a colleague doing a lesson and I got to like just work one-on-one -on -one with one kid and fantastic. But like you say, yeah, you didn't want to do it full time. Um so the the way they defeat the the Ben person then is basically putting them through hell. Effectively, like we're gonna take you to, and it turns out there's a lot of crystalline entities, and <laughs> they throw them into that. They throw them into a black hole. Um, what I love about the black hole is that it looks like what our understanding of black holes is now. That that is what scientists now it also looks like it's from the titles yeah well the titles will have been made after then but but yeah it's only well, within... the titles have been made from the beginning i mean yeah. they'll they'll be made after we discovered what black holes really look yeah. like whereas for for years and years we've had them in science fiction and it was only maybe a year ago a year or two ago that we went oh this is actually what they look like so I like that I we're updating Trek stuff like very that. very good at doing that, of like, this is what Star Trek's always done. We'll try and give a nod to that, but we will try and update the science to match science. So it's kind of like, it's like yeah. with, um, funny enough, really weird kind of uh, analogy, but with uh, Anton Yelchin doing the voice for mm. um, Gekko, because he could do a spot-on Russian accent, but he knew there were certain vocalizations which, uh, which, like, people expected him to drop the R's and stuff. Yeah. So he kind of creates compromise. And I think Star Trek's really great at doing that. Like they'll, they'll move on the science, but they'll try and make it still feel Star Trek. I think they do that beautifully. Yeah, I know what you mean. The, the inverse of that is I read about um, with the new Jurassic Park films or the <coughs> Jurassic World films, whatever they're called at the moment. Current understanding is that dinosaurs don't look like that and they probably had feathers on it. But because... Jurassic Park was so big and such a big part of popular culture. They're like, well, that's what a T-Rex looks like now in popular oh. culture. We can change Did it to be how it should look. It? Did you see, though, they made a joke of him on the uh, episode because they said they wrote in, because the idea was they were genetically modifying these dinosaurs yeah. to create new ones, they said it's like, uh, 
yeah, well, why do you think they don't have feathers? We've been messing about with them to create them yeah, to look true. like everyone yeah. thinks they should. So they wrote it in, and I love that. It's like uh, yeah. Gene Roddenberry with the transporters. Like uh, Heisenberg Compensator is basically based around the problem, not the solution. So yeah. then someone asked him at a convention, how do they work? He goes, very well, thank you. Brilliant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we don't need to know. And the inertial dampness, that's how we can go faster than light speed without getting squished. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. You name the solution after the problem so you don't have to explain how it works. Yeah, Genius. absolutely. Um, and then, yeah, so eventually they blackmail the trainer into giving him a pass, but it's too late for Boimler, who's been assimilated, and he becomes the the titular excretus of Bog. <laughs> and he's also got the lowest score of anyone on the ship. <laughs> yeah, bless him. It's 8%. <laughs> oh, it's when he's, like, just... just crushed he's like going through ptsd i'm pretty sure from the yeah it's like the program it's like did, did i get 100 did i win sure buddy yeah, yeah. you got 100 it's like he has actually been assimilated it's gone that far now and he's been stuck <laughs> in it that long and i like um it's called back to earlier on in the episode but the the end of the episode is we'll get the lower decks a better replicator because we find out this brilliant detail that on the lower decks you can only replicate one slice of pizza at a time rather than yeah. a whole pizza, which I think is just a brilliant detail. Well, that that's sort of like what we said <laughs> on Picard, wasn't it? When we saw them on the Mars colony oh. and they were getting the meals and they came out on trays and all had the same. It's sort of like, well, that doesn't make much sense, but there's obviously different levels of replicators. Yeah, I thought you were going to call out Riker and his, his pizza that takes him five hours to make. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, Riker's choosing that, though. He's just that they've sort of, like, referenced here yeah. that they've got a lower-grade replicator that doesn't do all, have, have anything programmed in. And obviously, this Mars colony had an even lower-grade one. So they're sort of establishing... yeah. Here, yep, we do have different grades of replicators. There's something to be said for a replicator that only does a slice at a time because it's kind of like being at the Pizza Hut buffet. You could, you know, if you order a pizza, you've got a whole pizza of whatever that topping is, unless you go half and half or whatever. And in a way, it'd be quite cool to go, I'll have a slice of pepperoni. Oh, you know what? Met the next one a meat feast. You know what? Next one I want spicy, whatever. You know, so. You could mix it up, whereas if you order the Quattro Fromage and halfway through you decide, mm, don't like that blue cheese on it, you're stuck with it for a whole pizza. So all I'm saying is there are benefits to a slice at a time. Oh, yeah. Uh, I used to use a pizza place that did a half and half, so you could get two, oh, two yeah, different yeah. ones on each half. But... You also ordered one and got one free, so you had four different pizzas. Okay, also, I... I'm imagining the next generation, you could have your pizza program just going, I'll have a squee, and it comes out with a different slice on each Yeah, other. that's true, if you're replicating it, yeah. Okay, while we're, while we're trying to one-up each other with pizza places, I used <laughs> to go to this pizza place where you could get a double pizza, and what this consisted of was you'd go, I'll have a meat feast, they would do a meat feast pizza... And then you go, oh, and a quarter of fromage, and they would just put another pizza on top of it, and and then it would come, yeah. and you've effectively got two pizzas on top of each other, and you'd wonder why you were so full after three slices. <laughs> it's like it's because you've eaten a whole pizza. It's just that it's I've on top of each before. other. I don't know if it's from you, but I've heard of this before. Uh, I think Iceland does a double decker pizza now. There we go. But one of them does it in one of the frozen. Aisles. Okay, so, well... So we've agreed. We can do a spin-off show, which is Picard and Pizzas. Yeah, Picard and Pizzas, <laughs> and we'll, we'll, we'll order from all these places, and then <laughs> you can donate to our Patreon to pay for our medical bills and our blood pressure tablets <laughs> and everything else we'll need after the we eat. Pizza was too much. Oh. Yeah, after we eat all these pizzas. Um, so yeah, so that was Lower Decks, good fun episode. Shall we look at yeah. Ben then? This is Letters to Ben from the animated series. And I think it's fair to say this episode's got a bit of notoriety. Um, it's not always thought of as fondly as you, um, as some of the classics, shall we say. Oh, I loved it, but also I have to say, because I, I didn't realise that it was the episode name when you put Ben in the chat, because I haven't seen, uh, I really need to watch the animated series. I don't remember 
any of it. I remember like clips of it when I was a kid. I mm-hmm. watched it back. I, it's always been on my Netflix queue, but I never quite got around to it. I accidentally clicked on the wrong episode to begin with, and it brought up one which starts with Devoris Kelly before I realized. Man, the desperate recording quality mm-hmm. is quite remarkable. Like, Devoris Kelly's the worst, but you notice in the horror in this episode as well. Mm-hmm. Like, they really, I think they all recorded from home before it was cool with COVID. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about on previous episodes where we've looked at the animated series, but Filmation were not known for their high production values. Yeah, if if you watch um, different Filmation cartoons from that period, mm-hmm. apart from the characters' costumes and faces, it's the same animation. <laughs> I, I think I think DeForest Kelly recorded over the phone and they held the phone right up to the microphone to just distort it just a little bit more. It was, yeah. just, it was quite... It really mind. wouldn't surprise me. Though, um, again, when we did Yesteryear, we pointed out that it's DC Fontana writing it. This episode, we've got David Gerald, The Trouble with Tribbles, you know, yeah, writing this episode. They, they spared no expense on the writers they brought in. Um, however, there's some terminology used in this episode which i don't think we'd use now so we'll we'll put it out there and uh you know trigger warning or what have you if anyone may be offended they refer to this alien species as aborigines which i don't think is in any way correct because they use the only thing i do know and again i i this is i'm still very ignorant but just one thing to put out there I know Aboriginal isn't unique to Australia because in Canada they've got an Aboriginal. Um, yeah, people. I think. Like, yes, I, think I, it, it I, I looked. This. I don't know how PC it is to call it, but I got straight away that they meant sort of a prehistoric. Yeah, what 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 a, this a pre-industrial civilization? Yeah, they're, they're using it to mean indigenous and. Well, mm. they also use it to mean their pre-industrial. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not a phrase we would use now because of the connotations and whatnot it's took on, and it just, it, it confused me hearing it. I was like, what? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, when, when I was watching, it was an episode of Due South I was watching, and they referred to Aboriginal art from mm-hmm. Canada. And I was like, oh, I, I've, I've only ever heard it referred I to think in, in, I, a, in I an did, Australian context. I did look it up when I was doing my notes for this episode to try and understand where it is and I think it, it specifically refers to um indigenous peoples pre colonization. So anywhere basically where the British have gone and invaded um yeah. could be described as an Aboriginal people. So most places. Yes, most places. Yeah, everywhere. Um <laughs> But, Pretty much everywhere that isn't Europe. But yeah, it's an odd... Everywhere we've got away with it, basically. Yes. Uh, it's an odd term to use anyway, but, like, you know, we'll move on from it. But um, I love how when Ben decides to beam down, Kirk is just having none of it. He's like, well, Mr. Ben, you've been on our ship for months and you've done nothing. <laughs> He's yeah, just not been, up for you, this you're at all. Server and you've stayed in your quarters for our... Last six missions. Yeah, he's really Kirk is not impressed with this guy whatsoever. Did I did I miss something? Do they actually ever make it clear what Ben's status was in the ship or what his yeah name? yeah there's a, yeah, a long he's entry. A, he's an honorary commander, and yeah. the Starfleet has only recently made contact with the Pandorians, which is what species he is, and he's there as an official observer. Yeah. Okay. So just observing generally. Look, just, just uh, like, yeah, it's, it's basically there ob- observing because um, Kirk is meant to be the best in Starfleet. Just like a culture, cultural exchange oh, okay. kind of yeah. thing. Okay. And, and this is why Kirk's not impressed with him, that for six missions he's just stayed in his quarters yeah. and yeah, not done anything. never became an ambassador though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I think Kirk's a wonderful ambassador. Yeah, yeah, could be. What the bloody hell are you doing in your room? Get out! (laughs) It'd have been really good as the Klingon ambassador who let them die. (laughs) So, Ben 
beams them all into midair and then splits in two and nicks stuff out of the pockets. Which, yeah, that's pretty funny. Which I think this is this is the animated series at its most sort of childish. This like the way they fall, they beam in stood up like it's Roadrunner and then jump straight down. But again, if you're going to take this to like what the USP, like what makes it Star Trek and what the USP of the animated series is versus any other Star Trek, I think yeah. this hits nail on the head. Like it may not be my, like again, I have to rewatch them really, but like uh, I don't imagine this probably going to be my favorite animated series adventure. However, it's got like it's got a lot of Star Trek in it. It's got a lot of Star Trek. Yeah, it does. They also, like, they also looking at a species. They also looking at a species. Okay. They're looking at a species here, though, that you couldn't do live action then. No, this and is they, true. To describe it, it's a, oh, you, it's a colony species. Yeah, I like that, that it is treated on a sort of more of an intellectual level than you would expect in a, in yeah. a TV show if it rained yeah. at kids. It'd just be, oh, it can split in half. But it's, no, we're going to give it a definition and we're going to contextualize it within the world that we know so yeah i enjoyed that the only thing i think which would have made it better is because i love the fact there was a prankster and that he was like goofing around this mission and that's kind of fun for kids i i would have loved it if they put a button on kind of like we suggested you could almost wreck on it but at the end he was actually reporting to like this was really what he was here to do was to test them Mm. under these circumstances what do they do without their fancy gadgets yeah Yeah. well i that's it i think you can look at this when you see like the Lower Decks episode, you can sort of say, oh, this species has a tendency to throw curveballs in it, which is what I was saying. And if you're going to, like, running into species like Q, like we've had um, the Metrons, we've had, uh, what's he called? Um, I can't even remember the name of the episode, but the guy in Everyone Thinks was like a Q. Oh, Trillane. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so if you're going to run into these sort of species, you need to be able to deal with curveballs. Yeah. And by, it, by the way, just very quickly, since you brought up Trelane, if anyone hasn't listened to it, uh, there's a Q uh, book and audio with Scott Trelane as Q. Wonderful. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, Q squared is it, the a Peter David one. I remember that being really good. Yeah, yeah, it's it, wonderful. And um, the. There is, like, they do try and get into almost sort of a deeper thematic thing without bashing you over the head with it. Like, when the flashy alien light... which now, Don't you think this was, like, the companion from the original series? Yes, the one that, actually. Um, and uh, sort of had Cochrane. I can't remember the name of the episode now. Metamorphosis, was it? Metamorphosis, but yeah. that, it reminded me of... Of that straight away, like, and I'd forgotten that part of this episode till I watched it again. I have a feeling but straight that, away. I was thinking this is like the companion. I have a feeling that this flashy alien light thing is voiced by Nichelle Nichols. It sounded yes. very much oh, like definitely. her. Definitely. Um, but the what that does is it basically says to Kirk, "I don't want you observing my." my species, my children, I don't like your methods of doing it. And it's kind of drawing a parallel there that this god thing doesn't like the way Kirk's doing things and Kirk doesn't like the way Ben's doing things. So there is, there's almost like a, a broader theme being developed there, but it, it never quite hammers it home and says, look, this is what's going on. You know, Kirk's treating Ben the way that alien's treating Kirk. and. Yeah. And so on and so on, but um, but I do like that it it brushes with that, which is again interesting when you've only got twenty five minutes to play with. You're introducing three new species, and you're trying to tell a story. So the, there's only so much you can fit into that time that you've got. Um, I love the fact that Ahura gets to be in charge in the early parts of this episode, because uncharacteristically, Scotty beams down as well. But we get to see Ahura up on the bridge. She's the senior officer, and yeah. she's giving orders and asserting a command and everything. And I just thought, that's great. That's that's not something we ever really did with Ahura in the 
in the series and, and it is done in the animated series earlier than this because yeah. there's an episode where all where only the female officers are left in to mm. run the ship. And they kind of tie it into a job as well because it's doing communication yeah. and stuff. So yeah. that work that it's it's like in um uh, in Doctor Who they where they do the audio drums for Big Finish, mm. they do a better job of tying in like Bonnie Langford when she was in Doctor Who briefly, she uh, played a computer programmer, and they don't mention basically. They mention the job once, basically, yeah. in the whole bunch on TV, but they use in the audio drama is a lot better. I think they've done this in the animated series. They've made her, yeah, her has to do with communications. There's plenty of ways you can put that into an episode. All they mainly have her doing in the original series, like Captain, there's a hail coming. Over to you guys. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of the time. Or to be a loving pet somewhere. But it's, yeah, it's really good that they that they do that and they, they flesh that character out a little bit more. And hopefully this is the sort of thing now with the announcement that we're getting a younger version of a horror in Strange New World. So hopefully we will get to see her taking on a bit more responsibility and things yeah. like that. Because, you know, obviously... The casting of a woman of colour in a major role was a huge thing in the 60s. Mm. But as we know from the fact that the network said you can't have a female first officer with number one, you know, there were only so much you could do with it at the time. Yeah. And yeah, now we can like, do more. It's going to yeah, be interesting. Like, let's be fair to Gene at the time of when Star Trek was made, the original series, he really pushed what he could oh, get away absolutely. with. absolutely. I, I think he did as much as he possibly could have done within that restriction. Yeah. And it, it's nice that even it. 10 years later or whatever it is with this, albeit in animated form, they are taking it that step further. And Well, this is what I think. I think that probably with TV, with live-action TV, there were so many restrictions and rules. He had to dance around to try and give the women as much as he could. Mm. Uh, then yeah. you go to animated, and they don't care. They go and say, "Right, can you do it to a cheap budget? Brilliant, go for it." Yeah, so you've got episodes where you've got all women like centric episodes to give them that power, yeah. to give them that stage in a way he wasn't allowed to in TV right. shows. You want There's to put... so much more they just didn't give a shit about when you're going through. Oh animation yeah, at this point. Right. you want to put a horror in charge? Not a problem. We've already drawn her. If you wanted a different yeah, character, exactly. it yeah. might have oh, been yeah. a problem. Now, when Scotty does the get put in charge again, he comes out with a line that somebody has clearly said, you know what, Scotty, Scotty, Scottish, let's have a Scottish reference. <laughs> because there's a dampening field up, and Scotty says, the Loch Ness monster couldn't get through that. <laughs> what does that mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, just also, I did enjoy the fact that uh, James Doohan is pulling double duties because, again, sorry, you probably covered this a bit before, but again, because I haven't seen the animated series in so long, I've I've had heard, but I've forgotten that he plays that uh, bridge crew alien with the weirdest crackers, like, ah, hello, oh, Alex, yeah, <laughs> so funny, so much fun. Yeah, I like Alex, and I, I like Merez as well, the Catwoman, and the. The great thing about both of them is Peter David brings them both into his New Frontier novels, um, so they both get really fleshed out as characters. It's fantastic. Nice. Um, so there's a a good bit where they they work out like you know we've got fake phasers. Ben switched our phasers for these, but when he gives them them back. And so a normal communicator won't work, but if you do a double communicator, you, you stick your two <laughs> communicators together. Much like two pizza yeah. stacked. Like, you see, we do. It's all thematic. <laughs> and then Kirk's going, Kirk to entity. Kirk to entity. Like, it's not going to know. And how do you know it's on the wavelength that you're yeah. using? Kirk to the alien entity. Yeah, <laughs> what are you talking about, Kirk? <laughs> anyway. Also, though, a thing of... I want just in slight defense because I think you're completely right, but in slight defense, there is a thing of like, uh, you get this, but there's a consequence. Boiling it down for kids, it's like, right, you can put two, two communicators together to make a double communicator. So instead of doing all the science bit of like working out how to link them, do all this, they just put them together. And there's a consequence that you can't then use them after that. So there is a sort yeah, of like, true. simplifying it for kids and still. Like, yeah, as I say, if this was a full episode, you'd have time to go, you would. okay, we'll, we'll take parts from both these to boost the... Well, that was done off-screen, wasn't it? Because if you watch 
Kirke passes his communicator oh, yeah, yeah. across the spark. And then straight away, Spock throws it back and it's got both connected. So Spock's yeah. done all the work. Spock's done it, yeah. <laughs> Just very quick. Well, as never, I know what you're saying, but there is kind of something beautiful to the way they're very economic with doing something you do in the show anyway. Yeah, you you're right. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm not quite sure the ending totally works because... You get Kirk talking to the alien entity and the alien entity says, basically, we don't like you observing the people. Um, we just want you to, to go home. Kirk says, okay, you, you know, we'll play by your rules, blah, blah, blah. Beam down, men, and shoot everybody. And I know he says... <laughs> no, 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 ran away. I know, and I know he says, use the minimalist form of stun possible. And only do it if you have no choice. But then that first red shirt guy's a bit trigger happy. He's straight away, bzz, bzz, <laughs> and they're just zapping everyone. And then it's no wonder that the the alien entity's not best impressed with this because he they've basically just had a conversation and the alien said, "Okay, Kirk, are you going to behave? Yes, yes, we'll behave. Can we just get a man back? Yeah, but you'll behave, won't you? Oh, yes, we'll behave. Beating down a kill squad. You know, it's a bit." <laughs> I've also got the thing of, like, Bem says, um, oh, well, I want to see what you do without your fancy gadgets, basically. And he goes, yeah, but we want our fancy gadgets back. Okay, and there you go. Yeah, and that's it. Fancy gadgetry. <laughs> they don't do anything to concede to what Bem's point was. It would have been great if they found another way without them. Yeah. And actually kind of, like, uh, proved themselves in the way it, that It's like... Um, it's that thing, though, isn't it? You've got, they've got 25 minutes and they're trying to do a lot. And, yeah. Uh, you don't have time to explore that little bit. <laughs> Again, you could do a kind of really simplified version of like, okay, well, we don't have these. I know if we use a hair clip, which I got off the hoover earlier and opened this, you know, just something very simple <laughs> yeah. to make it work. And even like silly little bits, like they're in these cages and Scotty beams down and he shoots the lock off of it. It's like, you could just open it and let him out. You know, no, no, I'm going to shoot the lock down. It's like, you are absolutely trashing this planet, guys. Yeah, and also, like you said, to your point, it's like, they go, it's like, uh, well, like, we had to get, like, the, the alien goes, there is no one else. They go, well, we've got this guy. We had to save him. Okay, I didn't spot that guy, says the omniscient alien. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's like Ben's whole premise is that, yeah, I'm not coming back with you, so I'm going to stay here. Cost you a lot of rubbish. Your job, you didn't solve it. <laughs> solve the problem. And then he's a bit melodramatic, and then isn't so, he? So what you're going to do? Get get eaten by these aliens? <laughs> well, he talks about effectively killing himself. He's like, I failed. Um, I will terminate yeah. this. This one will cease to function. And you're like, yeah. bit much, son. You know. <laughs> yeah, it got very dark very quickly. Yeah, but then the flashy light says, don't kill yourself. You, you know, you can learn from this. Oh, okay, maybe I'll do that. Like, <laughs> good. definitely don't respect their lives or anyone else's. They're going, it's like, I'm going to kill myself. Oh, they tend to that. Oh, I care, I won't bother. Like, yeah, no. Like, they're to go about it. Yeah, and then, yeah, it finishes with Spock. And, you know, this is almost like you, you thought for the day at the end. It's like, you know, would it be... Would it be seen as a god, uh, an alien that's this much more powerful? And obviously, that's a theme that the, particularly the original series has done lots of times. But again, for a, a kid's Saturday morning TV show, that's that's pretty heady stuff to throw out there. To be fair, in the seventies, I think we did have a lot more adult cartoons than what they are now, with the messages involved in them. And, mm. Yeah, I think it's it's sometimes it was done like with Roddenberry and Craft, and it was done through metaphor and stuff. I think that all the things they handled in this episode are really good, and all the ideas they just don't quite land them. No, and I, I don't think it helps that Ben's quite a ridiculous character, really. You know, <laughs> so it could have been the mud of the animated series. I could picture him being that kind of funny, silly character, but you actually. Learn something from him, like yeah. Mud was this lovable rogue, and in the end of the day, he was well, he was fairly harmless, but he did almost get him killed a few times. But fairly harmless in the original series. You could have sort of done the same thing with them here. I think just you needed to solid up his themes and what yeah. he was doing and how they win him over. 
Yeah, I think the the lessons that everybody learned, I think, needed to be a little more definite. Like what what's Kirk learned this episode? What's Kirk learned from Ben, and what's Ben learned from being on the Enterprise? Is what we we should have got. Instead, we get they don't really get on with each other, and this omnipotent alien just bollocks them both for uh, not being off very planet, good. Off a planet. So the, <laughs> Ben quits at the first time of anything. It's like, let's see how you do without your fancy gadget. We want a fancy gadget. Okay, here's your fancy gadget. I'm going to commit suicide. Don't commit suicide. Okay, I'm not going to commit suicide. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it could have been... You would have expected the last scene of the episode to be Kirk and Ben talking and sort of, you know, acknowledging that, oh, we, we wouldn't have succeeded on that mission had it not been for each other. That yeah, that yeah. should have really been the payoff, but the actually hats off again to to lower decks because they do. It's like um, as soon as that woman's like, uh, right, I tricked you, so uh, I could keep my job. Yeah, but we tricked you. Okay, then <laughs> they do. Quite yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. The the, the characterization <laughs> is is consistent across yeah. um, forty, fifty years or whatever it is. So <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I mean, I'd, I've said this on the, the previous animated ones we've looked at, but these are a lot more enjoyable than I think they get given credit for. I'm, I'm not saying that any of these are Star Trek at its finest, but it it's not sort of the black sheep of the Star Trek family to the extent that it's sometimes made out to be. Oh, it, it, it is season four of the original series. Yeah, effectively. And they had to do it in animated form. Honestly, I think it is the credit sequence tells you everything you need yeah. to know about the show. It's a lot like the original, but not quite as good. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Thumbs it up, really. They, it does. It, it, was, it was better when they first did it, but it's okay still. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Just fine. So that was made, and, and it was deliberately made for kids in yeah. the show. Yeah. yeah, and translating that, and this is the challenge that Prodigy's going to face. I mean, all indicators that we've seen are that it looks like it's doing a really good job of it, so I don't think we've got this to worry about. But Yeah, not long to wait. No, not well, at all. Enough, like, the one episode I do really remember from watching the animated series, the original, well, the original, first time for me anyway, uh, was the one with Spock yeah. seeing his younger self which Una McCormack was the other day saying, it's like when they were writing the biography of Spock, they even brought that in. So yeah. everything which was known about Spock up to that moment was put in it. And then they um, announced um, the uh, Strange New Worlds is going to have a new relationship, yeah. a new uh, gay relationship. And they're going, oh, damn it! Like, why didn't you just say this a day ago? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's difficult. with it. And, and I think, you know, the, the authors who've written those... Um, autobiographical books do a really, really good job. I've read the Kirk and Picard one and thoroughly enjoyed both of them. Uh, but the problem is the second it goes to print, it's out of date with Star Trek and that's always going to well, be the case. That's it, like with the Picard one. Picard one was great, but now that we've got Picard as the show, yeah. the last few chapters of that that autobiography have gone out the window. Which means they can do the revised and updated edition hitting your bookstores yeah. next year, you, you know. So. Again. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we are in the age of where everything's justified through different timelines. So yeah. that's it. Okay. Absolutely. And <clears throat> that's a fascinating thing, actually, at the moment. Um, they're wrapping up uh, what they call the relaunch novel series. So they did They did what they called the DS9 relaunch, which was a series of novels carried on the story after the last episode of DS9. They did the same for Voyager. They did the same for Next Generation post-Nemesis. And for all those years that we didn't have new Star Trek being produced, these novels spun their own elaborate world. And, you know, there's probably tens, if not hundreds, of novels in this, this continuity. And they're, they're letting them finish it off, so they're drawing it to an end now, and I believe it's called Star Trek Coder, and it's a, it's a trilogy. And just from reading the blurbs and the descriptions, it looks like it's going very multiverse-heavy, so <laughs> I think the way they're going to leave it is, 
yeah, this all happened, but in a different timeline. And I'm happy with that. I like that idea. Yeah, I'm happy for them to do that. I think that if you did that 10 years ago with something, Mm -hmm. people would have a right go at you that it's a cop-out. But now we all get used to multiverses and... Oh, no, no. The second they start introducing multiverses for different versions of things that have happened in our lifetime, like with Batman, Spider-Man, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. hell yeah. Everything I know and love all exists. It, it's all real. It's they all exist, yeah. And you can, you know, we can get these... I mean, obviously, the Spider-Man rumours uh, have not been confirmed yet, but are heavily heavily rumoured that we're going to get all three big screen Spider-Men together. And then next year we've also got Michael Keaton's Batman alongside Ben Affleck's Batman. And yeah, he's just good. It's a good time to be a geek. If if you've written the new Spider-Man film and it doesn't involve Tony McGuire and Andrew Garfield, you would be going like, but I write the best multiverse film you've ever made. Oh, yeah. awesome. Like, now no one's going to like it if I don't have those. That is the problem. Yeah. If they don't... And the thing is, they have never officially said that this is the case. And yeah. you've even had, like, Andrew Garfield has out and out denied it, but people are going, he's only denying it, so we don't realise it's actually true. And it doesn't fix them by now. It's going to yeah. be the most hated film of all that's time. That's it. It's the best film ever. And that's it. And, and it's completely our fault for building up these expectations yeah. of it. Yeah. No one has told us this will happen, but we're going to be angry if it doesn't. So <laughs> it, it, The more you deny it, the more we think it's true, mm. because we're trying to do that. Because of course they're And that's the thing. Everyone will, will turn on Andrew Garfield saying, well, you, know, you, you said that you want in it. And be like, yes, I'm not. I, I told you. <laughs> I told you six months ago. <laughs> we thought you were not you in it. Yeah, we, we thought you were lying to us on purpose. No, I was just being honest, so you weren't disappointed. But that made us more disappointed. Damn you, Garfield. So, yes, I hope for everybody's sake that we do get into the Spider-Verse, the movie, and we get all of them, and it's everybody's happy. If yeah, not... And I... Just to tie bone it, I've always thought that since they did shows in the past, like with Enterprise, I've always said... You've got the perfect excuse to do like time travel, yep. like from characters from the future, and they've never really done it in Star Trek. And that's oh well, no, they have with sorry, obviously they have with Spock. And I think if they did that on the big screen and they brought yep. in all the different universes, all the different captains yep. and stuff, you've got such an easy way of doing it now. Uh, this is it. They're all in active production. We know that there's a Star Trek film. My my dream for it would be. Crack on with making all these series on the small screen, and then every three or four years, we have a movie that's like the Avengers of the Star Trek universe, and it's just throw it all we have, the, we have the big multiverse tie-in. Yeah. You've even got, where did Cisco end up? With the prophets. He could be the one engineering it through his godly-like powers. He could be, but I'm not sure where Avery Brooks is these days. Uh, if the rumours of that is coming back, aren't they? So they say. So they say. That'll so be... all accounts, no one knew what planet it was ever on. Well, that's what I mean, so I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, man, can I just very quickly, I've been watching the uh, first series of DS9 recently, and, man, his acting choices sometimes are just... No, not even down up to 11. I'm going to down up to 20. Like, it's just <laughs> yeah. nuts, and it's so much fun. You get him doing that, and you get... You notice Quark. In, especially in the first few episodes, I know it's a massive tangent. I really enjoyed the fact that Armand Shimon is doing the Marauder, like there's a touch of mm-hmm. Marauder Ferengi in it, and it's so enjoyable. I really wish he'd kept that and, in um, not You even see by halfway through the first series, he's already doing the, you know, just the uh, amiable, barky, like swindler. Yeah. Just, I wish he didn't lose those rough edges. It's kind of fun. Nog's very first appearance in the pilot, his voice is completely different. He's got this really snarly, growly. Rom, sorry, yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it is not Rom at all. It's Max Grodenchik playing Nog's father, but (laughs) that is not Rom whatsoever. In the middle, he starts, like, there's a middle point where his voice is perfect. It's softened a little bit to be a bit goofy, but he's still got a bit of the edge to it. Yeah. Then later on he goes, oh, I'm wrong. And it really sounds just so silly. It just... I love I, Rom, but... I, I like Rom. I, I Rom just, was I always just playing at these uh, a bit. This is true. 
I know. I just, I just kind of, I, I just, my, my complaint about the Ferengi is always, I wish they'd kept the Marauder uh, class of Ferengi as well. Mm. Fine, have your ones who just have the cash, have your ones who uh, fight for money. Yeah, I think that the problem with that is that they've become so ridiculed that we only ever see them as a as a punchline in lower decks now. So, <laughs> oh, I, but I just wish you'd kept both because they were both really cool characters, and there's yeah. no reason why you couldn't have like they're all after money, but one fights for it, one kind of like just squindles for it. I yeah, think that would, be that would have been interesting. interesting. Like, even Quark had the more <laughs> Mo little action figure, which was great fun. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we'll leave it there for this week then. So uh, we'll be back next time to talk about the next episode of Lower Decks and see where that leads us. Sorry? Episode nine. Gosh, yeah, there's only two left. Just two more episodes to do Lower Decks. Uh Well, after that, we've got Prodigy, so we're going to be kept busy. Um, Yeah, uh, it's meant to be a feature-length thing. It is the first one, yeah. Sorry, something you guys didn't mention in the last episode, you probably didn't know, but the uh, the actress who played the mum of the engineer last time is actually the wife of the actor. Oh, yes, I did hear that after yes. the fact, yeah. They, uh, those two and the guy who plays the big hulking alien in the, I think it, it's one of the aliens in the new show, uh, they all do a podcast together called How Did This Get yeah. Made? Yeah. Ah, oh yeah, How Did This Get Made? It's good. Um, That's wonderful. Yeah great podcast so check that out but not after you've checked out if you have to listen to three podcasts listen to retrack the dr squeeze show and then how did this get made um so we'll see you next time but if you want to get in touch with us we're on twitter at retrack pod you can email us retrackpod at gmail.com or come and join us on facebook and have a chat with us about star trek there thanks for dr squee for joining us this week and thanks. Thank you as always for me. Not a problem. Welcome all the time. And thanks for trekking with us this time. We'll see you next time on the retrack. Thank you. Bye bye. Hello, AP.